You're listening to the Gateway Franklin Church Podcast. To learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, including our service times here in Franklin, Tennessee, visit us online at gatewayfranklin.com. And now, here is this week's message. So our series, Seeds, uh, Every Family Tree Starts Somewhere. It was beginning of the summer, and I began reading the Old Testament uh, straight through. And um, whenever I read scripture, I look for wows and what's. I look for, wow, I hadn't seen that before. Wow, really, is that what that means? And I look for what's. What does that mean? What am I supposed to do with that? And this, I didn't get very far, and I hit a pretty big wow. Genesis 1, 28 and 29. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. So where's the wow? Well, this is kind of the original life giving passage. Everything that occurs up to this point in Scripture, which is just a handful of verses, is God establishing everything that was necessary for life. There was um, air. There was soil. There was um, sun. There was water. There was gravity. Everything necessary for life, he creates. And then when we get to this point, then he then creates Life and not just any life. He he gives all life the ability to create life. And that's just to me, it was just mind-blowing in that moment that everything that he gave life to had the ability to produce the seeds to keep producing life right after um, its own kind. And because all of life can be traced back to these seeds in this creation story, we know these three things. One, our origin is divine because we were created by God. Our capacity is holy because we were created for God. And we carry life because we were designed for that purpose. So our seed is a divine origin with a holy capacity and a life-giving purpose. And I really need for you to let that settle in. Here's what we do with those facts. First is that we own our origin. We don't abdicate it. You don't neglect it. Don't be deceived off of it because your divine origin or your origin is divine. It is your original identity. The second is to offer yourselves to the originator. Our holy capacity doesn't have anything to do with our performance. Our holy capacity has everything to do with our preference. Who owns us? Who who do we give ourselves over to? That's what creates our holy capacity. And then produce life. A divine origin with a holy capacity will supernaturally produce spiritual life. If you put it in the right soil. The reason why we doubt those three things, and I know we do, we circle in and out of doubt, or before you even come to Christ, you're dealing with this doubt, is because another seed was sown in the garden. It was the weed seed. 
Not, not marijuana, of course, who knows? Who knows? It, it might have been there, I don't know. But it, the seed of doubt. Because you don't have to read much further in the book of Genesis before you get to, don't eat of this tree, and then the enemy sowing this doubt. Did he really say that? Did he really say if you would eat this seed, you would die? Did he really? Don't you think that the logical response here is that God's holding something good away from you? He's just wanted to maintain his leverage. In order to do that, he's created this one thing that's better than every other thing. And he's told you not to eat from that. That is doubt. And the seeds of doubt, when they sprout, they sprout mistrust. And when mistrust is, is, uh, sprouts, it produces the sin of disobedience. All right? And, and in no so, small measure, disobedience is a rejection. All disobedience is a rejection. Now, some disobedience is wing spreading. Right? Our kids just kind of stretching, spreading the wings. Some, some, when, when is it not wing spreading? When it's continuous when it can't be corrected and come back in line. We, we recognize that maybe with a parent and a child, but disobedience of God, there's no way to sugarcoat it. It's rejection. It's a rejection of his authority. It's a rejection of his parenthood, his good fatherhood. When he, when he gives a direction and we, we disobey that, it's a, re, it's a rejection. It's not, how do you know when it's not just stretching my wings, when it's, when it's continual? When it's continual. Sin is the sprout of the doubt seed, and life is the sprout of the gospel seed. Jesus says this about himself in John 12, 24. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And so out of Jesus' death, Jesus was God's reseeding plan with the garden. He reseeds creation. He reseeds with redemption, all with his personhood. He is the sprout that gives us all life. And since we are, have a divine origin, especially then when we come to Christ, then we are carrying the seed of Christ, and that has the ability to produce many other seeds. Your family heritage matters. It informs, it in, and it influences but it doesn't determine. Each of us have zero input on where we come from and what's been done to us. Zero. Those were other people's decisions. It doesn't matter how you were conceived or who conceived you. It doesn't matter if you were planned or were an accident. It doesn't matter if you were abandoned or even given up for noble purposes. It doesn't matter if your life isn't turning out the way you thought it would turn out. It doesn't matter if you zigged when you should have zagged. It doesn't matter your current life setting, your current marriage status, or your career. None of those scenarios cancels, cancels out or diminishes your divine origin, your holy capacity, or your life-giving purpose. And I could sit up here for the next 20 minutes and repeat that phrase, those phrases, 
And that would be enough for you today if you could hold on to that. You were created with a mind to know God. You were created with emotions to experience God. You were created with a will to obey God. That's what we were all created with. And everything God created, he reviewed and he declared it's good. And in that, what's going to be difficult to conceive is that he saw your beginning before your beginning. And he declares it good in the same manner. And God has done his part in the creating and the redeeming of us. And our part is the rooting. Our roots determine our family tree. Our roots determine the fruit and longevity of our family. And it's never too late for a fresh start. And it's never too late for fresh roots. This is a banyan tree behind me. This banyan tree is native in India, but this particular one, it doesn't look like it's that one, but, they, but when I looked it up, it said it. That was the one in the city square in Lahaina on the island of Maui that was planted as a um, uh, commemorating the first Indian from India missionary to the Hawaiian Islands on that island, and it was there to commemorate that event. And what's interesting you notice about this tree is that the, what, what you're seeing there in the conglomerate of, of, of branches, which you think they're in the center, those are additional roots that come off of branches. And this is the amazing thing about the banyan tree. The particular one in the city square in Lahaina is 45 feet or more in canopy. Um, and it is it's massive. And I don't even like going under there uh, because of all the birds. So, so, you, so you admire the tree, right, with an umbrella, or you admire the tree at a distance because it's fascinating that the branches produce their own root system. This is why your heritage matters, but it doesn't determine. Because we have the ability to develop our own spiritual roots independent of the roots whatever we were planted with. Now, if you are fortunate enough to be planted with spiritual roots, this becomes a greater capacity for us. But if you weren't, you're, you're, you are not married to those roots. We have the ability to establish our own. Roots have two main functions. They have an anchoring function and an absorbing function. Right? They anchor, they absorb. An anchored plant, an anchored tree, can handle um, much more external commotion because the roots that are down hold it up. And then those roots, depending on the quality of those roots, where it's located, the condition of the soil, those kind of things, are what provides all the nutrients necessary for its flourishing. I don't think they do this anymore in grade school. Maybe they do, I don't know. But who brought home the Dixie cup and the seed in here? Right? I couldn't even find a Dixie cup when I was looking to try to bring it for the, right? But, but the, the little science experiment was you get the little soil and a little seed and you took it home and you put your finger in the soil and you put the seed in there and you put a little water in it. And then we were told to put it in the kitchen window sill, right? And it was amazing, in just several days, you saw a sprout, and it was some pretty powerful lessons. You learned that there was life in a seed. It looked like life, 
but there was life in there. You learn that the condition of the soil mattered to the growth of the seed. You learn that where the cup was placed mattered to the sprout. And ultimately, you learned that to grow up, you got to grow down. Colossians 2, 6 through 15, Paul is telling this church on the importance of a spiritual and a Christian root system. It says in Colossians 2, we'll do 6 through 15. We'll break it up in individual verses. It says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue, your, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. So in order to begin this root structure, it starts at the very beginning. There's an acceptance, but then there's a continuance. Acceptance. I have to receive this seed. I have to believe the truth of the seed. I have to, I have to believe that there's life in the seed. I have to want more, different life inside of me. I've got to come to the conclusion that what I consider to be life isn't producing what I thought it would produce. And so then I'm, then I'm, I'm awake and I'm, I'm, I'm vulnerable, if you will, to another seed. That, and that seed is Christ. And I receive, I receive that seed. But the receiving of that seed is not where it stops. It's where it starts. Then I have to continually, daily, consistently in Christ is how these root systems begin. It takes a consistency to this to develop the root structure. So the question is, how is your receiving coming and how is your continuing going? It's a question we have to ask ourselves on a regular basis because there are a lot of things that are going on that is impacting what's going down. Colossians 2, 8 through 10 says this, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Altering uh, alternative anchoring root systems are all around us. Everyone, everything else promises that it can sustain you. L literally, the word faith means to lean your whole weight upon. That's what faith is. It, it's, it's a trust. And, you know, um, if you've ever, you know, uh, I know I'm a guy and I had particular friends in, in grade school and middle school, and this is more a guy thing than a girl thing, but I've had the chair pulled out from under me more times than I care to think about. Right? And the reason why that, it's a shocking thing to go to sit on something that's not there. Right? You kind of get to a certain place, and then it's rut-row, right? And then when we also in Gateway's history, we bought these chairs we first got, a, first got away from the metal Samsonite chairs that the school provided for us. We thought we were special because we got these padded chairs. Who remembers? I know some, you remember these blue chairs, right? So the base of these blue chairs was like a composite cardboard. And, yeah. And, um, and then they would sit in a trailer, you know, for six days until we pulled them out. So all the weather conditions other than... Other than little water. So over time, you would hear a crash in the congregation. <laughs> I promise. Someone would turn around and put a knee in the chair to speak to someone behind them. Bang, they're on the ground. 
I mean, it didn't, it didn't matter if you weighed four pounds or 500 pounds. If you sat on a chair when it was its last day, you were going down. Right? I, I Bear Grylls up in here. Bear, Grill, Bear Grylls, if you, I love watching his show, um, Running with Bear Grylls. I don't know if you, you, you're familiar with it or not. It's on up some obscure channel, I guess, History Channel. I don't know what it is on. Bear gave his life to Christ on the Alpha Course in London. It's an amazing story. He was one of the youngest, I think the youngest special forces um, person. He, he breaks his back in a, in, a, in a repelling accident. I think that's what happened. But I love watching him teach these celebrities how to repel. And it's hilarious, right? Because Bear's tied off the rope. He's got him in the rigging. And then they're over this cliff, right? Ready to put their whole weight on a nylon rope. They have absolutely no knowledge of how that rope was, was, was made, right? With someone they've seen on TV, but no one they've met in, in person. And he's making them eat strange things, <laughs> right? And all they know is there is too far between where they are or not. And it's, it's a, I love watching the process of them starting to settle into the strength of the stuff behind them. This is what faith is. And our culture and society promises all kinds of stuff that you can lean your weight into. All kinds of alternatives of this is the support that you would like. This is the support that you need. This is what's going to hold up under all the weight. And the fact of the matter is, they don't. They don't. They might for a little while, but each of us will hit something that it can't hold you up with. The root structure that is Christ is the thing that can hold all of our weight. Paul's saying there are all kinds of deceptive philosophies that is vying for your trust. But if you trust in those, they will eventually collapse. The sad part of that is they will always collapse under weight that you can't carry. I mean, that's the tragic part of that. A fall is a fall. And the more weight, the more distance, the more painful the fall. That's when they let you down. Paul's warning about that. We all live by faith. Make sure yours is in what can carry your weight. We all live by faith. Make sure what you're leaning into can carry your weight. Here's Colossians 2, 11 through 15. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all of our sins having canceled the charge of legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. It's interesting that he swings back here and has baptism as a root-building activity. I don't think it's too far off to say that Christian baptism 
is, the, is our planting into Christ. Baptism is a spiritual statement that we're dead to our old ways and we're planting ourselves in the strength and power of Christ for our future ways. In many ways, I think baptism is a burning of the ship's moment. It's a public declaration that I'm not going back. No, no matter what this fight looks like in front of me, I'm not going back to the old life. I'm not going back to the old things that I would do to try to support my weight that didn't support my weight. No matter how hard this is, this one is still death. That's baptism. I don't know if we think about baptism like that. You know, um, and I, I am definitely not opposed to children being baptized. Annie was baptized at five. We were in Romania when she was four, and I was baptizing a bunch of new believers in a, in a, uh, in a river in Romania, and she's asking to be baptized. And we thought it was just so daggum hot she wanted to get in the water. <laughs> and a year later, she wouldn't let go of it. There's another, there's another family in here. They were talking to me about their child being baptized. And um, he thought it was because Bruna talked about baptism. And so he probed, he probed him a little bit on what baptism meant. And it was like, dude, he could have written a paper on it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like the understanding that he had around baptism said, yeah, well, the next baptism, which is going to be in October, he's going to be baptized. Now, why, why, why am I telling you that? Because when we receive communion, when we baptize, these aren't Christian rituals. They're not just something that's been passed down to somehow make this um, more of a secret handshake society. These are what's called sacraments. There are things in which Christ participated in himself and said, perpetuate these. There are significant and I can't explain the significance. It's the mystery of the gospel. That when we drink juice and eat bread in a particular manner, that we are ingesting the power of Christ inside of us. And when we go under the water and come up, that it's a, it's a big deal in signifying that we have publicly acknowledged we have died in Christ and we have been raised in life in Christ. It is what when Paul, or when I read when Jesus said, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it can't produce other life, a burn the ship's moment. And I'd encourage you, um, if, if you are a follower of Christ, if you've given your life to Christ and you've never been baptized, I, I'd encourage you to reconsider. Um, I'll tell you this, I can't remember when I was baptized. I probably was baptized like Annie, maybe when I was younger. And I've actually contemplated get, getting rebaptized. And I, and I haven't, you know, I haven't fallen off the turnip truck too hard in that, in that time. I, I've hit my head a couple times for sure, right? But it wasn't like I, I turned into a devil worshiper or anything during that time. But it's because each time I'm up here and I baptize someone else, it just, boy, it just, it just does something in me. Rooted, it's all about, it's, it's all about a root system. You, you, to grow up, you've got to grow down, right? And these things are root 
root issues. So roots are for anchoring. And then roots are for absorption. Um, I, I'm, I'm stuck in a weird place, given the time on the clock and, I'm, and the pages in front of me. So um, we'll see what happens. Here, here's, uh, here's a parable Jesus tells. He tells it in Matthew, tells it in Luke, tells it in Mark, but I'm going to read it out of Matthew. Matthew 13. I'm going to read the first nine verses and then skip a small section in the middle um, and then read Jesus' explanation of this parable. All right? But he's teaching this parable to a bunch of folk, okay? Not a select small group of people, all right? He, he's teaching this to a bunch of people in a whole variety of their settings, okay? So that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into the boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But then the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. So other seed fell in good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And then he explains the parable in verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at, at once and receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes before, because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160, um, 30 times what was sown. Right? So we have Jesus as the sower, the life giver. We have the seed as his word, and we, we are the soil. All right? That's kind of how it lays out. Um, so seed falls on the path. The path has been walked on. So the soil condition can't receive the seed. What I love about this parable, though, is you would think if it was a, um, a better sower, you skip the path. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it, it's not going to go through this wood. Why throw it on the wood? I love the fact that he's teaching a large segment of people from all different kinds of probably perspectives and he's sowing seed I love this about Jesus he's not going to predetermine your soil he's not going to hold back his seed because of your heart but what happens if it just sits there since then something quickly takes it away then we have thorny, a shallow soil uh, when, when we excavated this piece of property, um, we were very fortunate not to run into a lot of rock. A, 
lot of rocks around here, right? There's a lot of rock. I find it very interesting. It's very expensive to build with Tennessee limestone, that granite, Tennessee granite. It's very expensive to build with that, and it's just as expensive to get rid of it. You know, I'm like, look, we're paying all this money for this and this. Can't we just use some of this? You know, and then it got even more expensive. So I, but, that, but that's what he's saying here. He said, it looks good. Everything looks good on the surface, but there's something under here that keeps the roots that they just can't, they're not going to penetrate rock. So it's interesting whether the, whether the hardness is up top or the, whether the hardness is just on the surface. Either way, either way, the seed, the seed can't, it can't function. It can't take root. Third was the thorny seed. It was very interesting around the thorny seed because he, he talks about the thorns in this in two different ways. One, he says the worries of this life, the worries of this life choke out as it grows. So roots going down, okay, roots going down. We're not, he's not talking about what's going here. It's coming up. And the two things, interesting enough, that hinder that growth is worries, things that take our attention off where our faith is and puts our faith in other things. See, that's what worry and doubt is. Worry and doubt is when we take the faith off the root and we put it on the atmosphere. But then he says also the deceitfulness of wealth. So what is that? Trusting in something else. That, that's what that means. That when I, I put my trust in something else. So either the conditions that I'm facing start choking out the truth of the seed. Or so, so I'm still, I'm not trusting, can't trust this because this is too big. Or I decide there's something else that has um, more of an impact on me. Like I can, I, I can do this myself. That would be the deceitfulness of riches too, right? I'm gonna depend on myself. That chokes it out. So that's thorny seed. And then it gets to the last seed. Um, and that's the good soil, right? And um, it's, I always find it fascinating that, you know, some yield 100, some 60, some 30. And, and I always, I turn everything to a competition. So I'm like, well, what am I? Can, how do I get to the next one, right? When reality, I think what we should settle with is not all soil produces the same, but all good soil produces. In every season of our life, we have to work through different seasons of our soil. Now, you might have a predominant one that you're dealing with right now, but I can assure you that you will have to cycle through these soils. So come on up, team. So I'm going to tell you, as best I can, how to deal with these soils. Okay, first, you got to break up hard soil, right? Well, that makes sense, Pastor. You break up hard soil. Duh. How do you break up hard soil? Right, because our soul gets hard for a lot of reasons. So the, the, what came to me here is when scripture in the Old Testament, specifically when it talks about um, ground or soil being healed, it's talking about water. Okay, water. Water, rain, heals soil. Okay, Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. I don't know anything that breaks up hard soil more than humility.
I get that you can have been disappointed and discouraged. I can, I, I can get, I know, I know the variety of the reasons of why hardness comes. Hardness also comes out of disobedience. It comes from stretching your wings over here and nothing really slapped your hand. And you stretch it a little further, nothing really slapped your hand. There've been no really repercussions from straying away from this root system of Christ. And so kind of stay put or keep stretching. And humility and repentance is what breaks up hard soil. So could there be other ways to break up hard soil? You know, you're not feeling anything? Yeah, probably. This is the one that I believe God gave me. And when we humble ourselves, we repent, we put ourselves before the Lord, and He hears us and He begins the rain and the water processes again to soften our soil. You gotta excavate shallow soil. Excavate shallow soil. What is it you can't get past? David asks God to say, is there any wicked way in me? You, this might not be wicked. What, what, what seems to, you get to a certain point and then you feel like then you're, you flatline in terms of your Christian root system and your faith. They're just, what, what question, what, what thing hasn't God solved for you that you've gotten past a little bit, but maybe you haven't released it because you've, you've just buried it a little further. But as soon as you hit that thing again, man, breaks come on. If you don't know what it is, you don't know if it's there, ask God if it's there. And the way we excavate it is you make it stand against the truth. Does it mean God's not good because this happened to you hard? Or is it that was just hard? And when you look closer, he's still right there beside you. But boy, you just can't get past that hard. That, that, has, to be, that has to be dug up. I mean, that takes work. I mean, we were paying by the hour for someone on a, on a tractor, right, with this pounder, pounder to get this stuff out. I mean, some of the stuff, it, it takes just relentless pounding to break up that rock that's there. It's not going to get rid of it overnight, but the more consistent you stand, stay on breaking that up, the deeper your roots can grow. Thorny soil. You got to do some weeding. When Paul talks about take captive every thought that, that sets itself up against Christ, all of, our, all of our minds, some of them move faster than others, but he is whizzing. Whizzing, the worries, just weeding is me stopping that thought in its tracks. No, I'm not going to think that way. That is not true. The first presented case, Proverbs 18, 17 says, the first presented case always seems right until it's cross-examined. Whatever, I'll promise you this. Whatever truth you already know is enough for the lies that you're entertaining. I'm gonna say that again. The truth you are, I don't know much of the Bible, Pastor. I'm telling you, the truth you already know is enough for the weeds you're already facing. But you have got to stop playing those scenarios around in your mind. And you gotta grab those things by the scruff of the neck 
and say, oh, this is the truth, and this is what I'm feeling, and this is what I'm thinking. Truth, meet this lie. I'm going to stick with the truth. And that's another thing that just takes it. This is what Paul says, the acceptance and the continuance in Christ. We do good, we do better with the acceptance and the continuance. Acceptance seems to come in a moment of revelation, in a moment of, but the continuance is now I gotta get up, I gotta get my britches on, and I gotta get after working the land, right? Because the enemy doesn't ever pause. The enemy doesn't ever pause. Good soil is vulnerable soil, it's deep soil, it's tilled soil. All right. Here's how I've prayed for you today. Well, for you can benefit from your family's root system, but you have to develop your own. And you're not bound by a lifeless root system. You can always start fresh. And, and I might have to re-preach this back half of all the stuff I didn't tell you next week. But, the, but I've prayed around this area. What encouragement did you receive today? Whatever encouragement you receive today, you have got to let that sink in and not just change gears as soon as you get in the car. What challenge are you willing to accept? Going backwards is always the easiest path because you know which way it, it, it goes. But it's also the most deadly path because it always ends up in the same dadgum place. Do you need a burn the ships moment? Is today a burn the ships moment for you? And the other is what relevation are you grappling with? And my, I might have expected too much out of the sermon, but I, I spend four days and about 20 hours every week reading, praying, writing, learning. And I know then I get up here and you got to get it all in 35 minutes. Right, it's like drinking water from a fire hose. But I believe, and I keep getting up here because I believe the Holy Spirit can take all of that where you are, where I am, and he can reveal something new to you. God does as much starting as he does settling on any given Sunday morning. It, it, it is a paradox for me as a pastor and a preacher. That for some of you, my prayer is just something starts. The thing that we can wrap it up, introduce a problem and wrap it up in 30 minutes is fallacy. But through the course of time, I believe you can come into this room and the Holy Spirit hits you some particular thing and something's settled for good. It's just settled. You put it to bed, it's dead. It ain't coming back no more. You've settled it. And it might've taken you a while to do that, but I believe it could happen in the room that something gets settled bang and I also believe that stuff can get started in here and don't just leave it in here don't, don't think it, it was just some moment in time let that seed sit, sit with it take a note many of you take notes you take pictures settle in it go back to it tomorrow morning what's God doing in there your family tree matters. When you read the Old Testament, there's one particular passage that says there was one generation who knew God and his power. The next generation knew of God and his power. And the next generation knew not of God nor his power. 
That is sobering. You can impact your family tree. You can turn it up on its ear. You can start a whole new one. And it's it's, it's the sobering piece of this. It's our responsibility. The roots are our responsibility. The seed is his. The soil is ours. What are you going to do with your soil? What are you going to do with your roots? You have a divine origin. You have a holy capacity. You have a purpose to produce life. And this whole month, this whole series, the, the conference at the end where we deal with some very specific things about just leading families is all about the strength of our spiritual family tree. Stand with me. Let me pray. I think movement, movement impacts your soil. To my right and left, we have communion. We have people who will pray with you. You might not have, this might not even been anything you needed to hear today, but you needed to be in the presence of God and you need someone to pray with you. I invite you to move to the altar. If you've never received Christ, he's done all the heavy lifting. You do the accepting. And it can be as simple as I receive, I receive life from you today. I'm burning the ships today. I am changing directions today. Father, in these moments, I know that you can speak very clearly, very succinctly into all of our hearts. The seed in which we've received today, Lord, show us what to do with it. Give us the will and the determination to do it. In the name of Jesus. I invite you to move to the altar. I invite you to worship. I invite you to move to communion. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Again, to learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, find us online at gatewayfranklin.com. Thanks for joining us today.